The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester Is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Oh, it's been a bit of a quiet few days for Manchester United, hasn't it? Apart from the signing of Cristiano Ronaldo, of course. We're here, obviously, to discuss that Ronaldo signing and all the fallout from the United 1-0 win over Wolves. I'm Dominic Booth. Delighted to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, thank you for having me on again. Absolutely no problem, Samuel. And thanks for ha- thanks for coming on, Rich Fay. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. I think uh, as Samuel will probably get on to, and you as well, Dom. Glad that the transfer window is coming to a close. But yeah, it's been absolutely frantic these last few days, hasn't it? Friday was a bit a bit special, wasn't it? Uh, in terms of our work. I thought it was and... petering out as well. There was that's, that's <laughs> what I said last week. So fa- famous last words. Yeah, it really didn't peter out, did it? It was uh, the opposite of petering, whatever that is. Um, so obviously United stealing the signing of Cristiano Ronaldo from under the noses of Man City on Friday in the morning. It was looking very much like Ronaldo was going to go to the Etihad and United fans, uh, some of whom were already burning their Ronaldo sh- shirts, were about to go into mourning. But it turned around very, very quickly, Samuel. Um United made their move. I think the heartstrings of Ronaldo were definitely tugged on by a few ex-players and an ex-manager maybe, and and all of a sudden he was agree- agreed and announced almost by United. It was it was astonishing, really. Yes, I was braced for a pretty quiet day, focusing on Donny van der Beek's withdrawal, sorry, not withdrawal, um, omission from Louis van Gaal's Netherlands squad or what Solskjaer would have to say at his press conference. And, and Solskjaer was actually quite quite interesting what he said. Unfortunately for, for Phil Jones, he, the defence of Phil Jones, uh, I don't think made print in any newspaper. It certainly probably wouldn't even have made the MEN, even though a lot of space is dedicated to United for obvious reasons, because it was the most seismic transfer story in, in United's history. Whether it's a success, as much for success as other United transfers remains to be seen, of course. But just for the sheer romantic element of Ronaldo coming back to United because they did gazump City because they only moved because he seemed certain to join City as a Friday morning. It was a remarkable story that went from 0 to 100 miles per hour in a matter of seconds. And certainly when I was first made aware that this might be happening, I just thought no chance. I said to my contact, no, I think the words I used to my contact were no, unless you know something more than me. Unfortunately, they did. And then another contact got in touch to say, I think United are trying to do something with Ronaldo as well. And at that point, it's a case of drafting a story, but you're conscious that others are going to be aware of this. You're conscious as well that there's a quarter past one press conference where the United manager could say, I don't know what you're talking about. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. I remember, it must have been about 10 years ago, unfortunately, the Sunday Times, they splashed their sports page on United um, being interested in a move for Sven Bender, the, who was midfielder at Borussia Dortmund at the time. And on that very day, Dortmund announced that he signed a new contract. So it's the ultimate nightmare scenario. And it's probably why nobody did... A Ronaldo line until after the press conference because 
to, to general amazement, but we know why Solskjaer was so talked it up so much as he did. Rather than obviously knocking it down, he said about how Bruno Fernandes was in touch with him, trying to to turn his head and persuade him to to join United, and that was the permission for for us to run our story. And then the Ferguson line came in about half an hour later, and that was by far and away the most emotionally charged. And at that point, I was I was pretty confident, having been confident that Ronaldo was joining City about two or three hours early. I was now very confident that he wasn't going to be joining City and he was going to be joining United. So Harry Kane and Charlie Kane in particular must have just sat back and looked on in awe at what George Mendes can do in less less than 24 hours, less than 12 hours effectively, because that that is how, how long it took. I think, OK, some, some of the players might have been in touch with, you know, with Ronaldo on the on the Thursday night when it was very advanced with City. But the Ferguson call came on Friday morning and it's it's pretty remarkable that here we are eight and a half years on nearly from Ferguson starting his retirement, that he's still making these these key interventions that evoke memories of him getting on the motorbike in Paris and meeting Eric Cantona to convince him to stay at United. And, and also with Ronaldo in 2006, when he uh, went out to visit him after the World Cup and persuaded him to to stay because of the fallout of the, the red card with Rooney and that he he wouldn't you know he wouldn't be getting death threats or anything like that in England they'd just boo him and so it, it is remarkable that it has unfolded as quickly and as dramatically as it has done and as I said you know with the Ferguson angle that there are very few footballers on on the planet that Ferguson would drop anything for and embark on this charm offensive and and Ronaldo is one of them rather notoriously Ferguson said he only managed four world-class players at United which is complete nonsense but of course Ronaldo was one of those that he named so it it made for a pretty sensational Friday very frantic Friday and it certainly made a trip to Wolves which has not always been the most appealing of trips in recent years um, all the more exciting even though Ronaldo was never going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose we'll get onto the trip to Wolves in a short while. But to think, Rich, it just started from a, a meme from Rio Ferdinand on Twitter that, that got United fans excited. But really, this was, as Samuels alluded to at the start there, it was more about Gazumping City than, than really what United needed. It's obviously not a sign that United particularly were crying out for, but you can't turn your nose up at Ronaldo at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think it would have been the ultimate bad luck for United if, you know, your club legend, and he is a club legend, goes to your biggest rivals. Um, it was an opportunity too good to miss. And I think Solskjaer, yeah, he knew that himself, didn't he? That it would have been such a bad luck if you've got Ronaldo turning up at Old Trafford in a City shirt in, you know, a few months' time or whatever. But yeah, for United, it's Ronaldo. They didn't need him, but you can't miss that sort of opportunity. And that's always sort of been United's stance on these sort of players, you know, that if a world-class player comes available, Manchester United have to be in the market for them. They've got to be in the conversations to sign them. They've always got to have some sort of interest. And, you know, like Solskjaer said at his press conference, he didn't actually believe that Ronaldo was going to be leaving Juventus because every season, every year, you hear these sort of rumours regarding the two best players of all time, you know, Messi and Ronaldo. Oh, they're going to leave this summer. Maybe they just want a new contract or whatever, but it's transpired that they've both been available and they have both moved now. So, yeah, United had to be in the market for him. And like you said, he's not the player United needed. 
with some of that walls, which we'll get onto soon, that there's still another area of the pitch which is crying out for reinvestment. But it's going to be a hell of a roller coaster journey this this season. You just got to embark on it, and you know City won the league with Otamendi and Zinchenko playing most weeks. You know you can you can win the league with vulnerabilities in your squad, and I think United just need to embrace what they've got at the moment. I know there's got to be a lot of negativity, like we say, coming onto this display against Wolves and the way that United still just got through a bit, you know, damaged, but they got there in the end. But you just got to you just got to embrace it. United have signed Ronaldo. I, I, how how has that happened? And how can any United fan be so gluttonous to say we still need more? Varane, Sancho, and Ronaldo in one window, and you want another signer? Like just enjoy it. Like I just can't. I can't believe it. I can't believe it's sunk in yet. I think you know after the international break when we first see Ronaldo back at Carrington, then we first see him in the new shirt and stuff. That's when they really sort of hammer home and yeah, that Newcastle game. God, everyone's going to be uh, finding ways to watch that three pm kickoff. Let's put it that way. Yeah, when he gets given the number 38 shirt or something like that as well, that's going to be a great moment uh, for the CR7 brand. I'm sure that, that looks unlikely that he's going to get the number seven shirt, obviously, with Cavani uh, there. Speaking of Cavani, um, Samuel, there has been some noise about potentially heading out before deadline, a bit of a shock, a shock move that would be if it did happen. But I suppose he is affected by this Ronaldo move, as are a number of forwards at United. They need to need to offload one or two before the deadline. How how are all these players going to fit in now that Ronaldo is is on his way? Obviously, Ronaldo has to start and it's probably about which two of the players play alongside him, isn't it? There has been some unrest with Cavani separate to his Instagram story post last week where he made it quite apparent that he was unhappy at the Premier League club's decision to prevent international players from playing in red list countries in in September. And I think the Uruguay Football Association have confirmed the the cancellation of Cavani's call-up for those World Cup qualifiers next month. So you'd think that that, that's that's in the past now. There's no more that can be done uh, on, on that front. But I was told that he was disappointed not to be uh, not to have been included in the travelling squad at Southampton. I don't think anybody was really surprised he wasn't, given that he'd only started training two or three days earlier than that and had gone seven weeks without playing. His appearance at Wolves was his first appearance in 65 days. And as as we've already said, United have a surfeit of attacking options that, although Cavani before Ronaldo came in, probably would have been regarded as the first choice striker. He wasn't absolutely essential at Southampton, particularly as they'd scored five goals the previous week against Leeds. But now Cavani's predicament is Ronaldo's come in and Solskjaer got a bit of stick at Southampton because he had the two significant signings on the bench for that game. And then he changed his tune at Southampton where he said, we've not signed Ronaldo to be on the bench, which is a very obvious statement. But when you pussyfoot about how long it's going to take for a player to start a game after they've just signed for the club. It, it can agitate supporters, particularly if you don't win that game. And that was the problem that Southampton, there was expectation that Sancho would start in that match, not Varane necessarily, given that he'd only started training at the start of that week. But Sancho's omission from the eleven was a surprise. Anthony Marshall came into it and there and there was the evidence that United could do with another striker, really, another goal scorer. Marshall's in a position now where somehow he's got into the France squad, uh, it's, which is a really peculiar one, given that Didier Deschamps for a period of time seemed to have just completely ostracised him from the France setup. But then he was calling him up last season when 
it didn't seem particularly deserved. And he seemed like he was going to call him up for the Euro squad, even though Marshall had his worst season for United. But of course, he got that injury in late March, which prevented him from participating there. But now he's fourth choice goal scorer at United and he's probably third choice winger. It's it's difficult to see where he's going to get any regular playing time, but that's not really something that's worrying United fans at all. I wouldn't have thought. Rich made the correct call on Sunday when he said Greenwood's probably been the player of this calendar year and I'd, I'd go along with that. He's He's got the numbers at the moment. He's not always had the numbers to reflect his performances, certainly in January, February, March time maybe. But he was terrific towards the end of last season. It's it's United's game that he's not in the England squad. I, I still don't quite get Southgate's logic and what he said around the reasoning of that. But I'd be having I'd be starting Greenwood next to Ronaldo without doubt. You'd think that Sancho would be the other starter next to him, and then you've got Marshall and Rashford. I know Rashford's obviously recovering from his shoulder surgery at the moment, but those two were kind of fancifully seen as the heirs to. Ronaldo and, and Rooney, and here United are re-signing Ronaldo, marginalising uh, both of them, in effect. So it'll be interesting to see how it all develops. The window's going to be closing soon. You'd expect Daniel James to leave on loan or permanently. That was very odd that he actually even started at Wolves. There wasn't any rhyme or reason for that. I think for most watching, it seemed like it was a tactic to counter Triori, but that, that had no impact whatsoever. Triori just bulldozed past anyone, whether it was Wan-Bissaka or Paul Pogba or Fred. So I'd, I'd expect James to go, as you kind of alluded to in your story this morning, Dom. Rich has done the story that Anthony Langer's got a lot of interest from the championship, and that would be a logical move as well. And really, United have got to hope that there's a good good offer that comes in for Jesse Lingard because his retail value is just dwindling at the moment and they were never going to get £25 million for him this summer and if he is to play regularly he had to leave before Ronaldo even uh, arrived at the club. Yeah, we'll get on to full deadline day disclosure uh, before the end of the podcast. Um, I'm going to put Rich on the spot now. Um, if every, if everybody's fit, Rich, who, the, who should be the United first choice front three? I'd, I'd probably go Greenwood, Ronaldo, and Rashford. Um, but I, 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 you know, you've bought Sancho for the, the fee that he's coming for, so I think that he's going to have to get some game time seriously at some point. Just you know, he's got the versatility that can play on the right or the left, which you know means he can come into that that fluid front line whenever it's needed. But you know, Rashford is Solskjaer's favourite, isn't he? I just can't see a lineup where he's fully fit, where he's not starting every week. Like I said, Greenwood will probably be the full guy because he seems to have been so often this year under Solskjaer, and there's been matches where Greenwood's been the best attacker, and he's the one who's brought off, and you know they bring someone else on in his place. Ronaldo has to start because it's Cristiano Ronaldo. So I'd personally go for that. That Sancho, uh, sorry, the Rashford. Greenwood to Ronaldo but you know Sancho was really you know he's got to take time to bed into the new league we get that but he was very very underwhelming against Wolves the fact they won you know was maybe glossed over that fact a little bit but he's got a lot of work to do and I don't think that you can just give someone a, a start in the, in the lineup just because you know you spent that sort of money on them I think he's got a, a lot of work to do to prove he deserves to be starting every week so for me I would go for, for the Greenwood Rashford Ronaldo but I'm not sure that's what Solskjaer will necessarily agree with yeah, we'll have to see. It'll be interesting. Obviously, lots of games to, to to come for United and probably chance to rotate as well. On onto the Wolves game then for a moment, Samuel. You're obviously there at Molyneux on Sunday. A laboured United performance, you have to say. Uh, as so often seems to be the case against Wolves, to be honest, whenever I've, I've seen United play Wolves in, in recent years. I know it was a bit more difficult than Nuno, but United just didn't seem to... I think Solskjaer said they didn't get their rhythm. They didn't control the midfield. 
and it is that midfield issue that that is coming as the as the headline really for many fans and a bit of unhappiness that there hasn't been a defensive midfield signing with with Fred and, and Pogba really struggling in that midfield area. What did you make of it? Did this scream a team who are crying out for a for a signing in that area? It, it was a reflection of the performance that the piece I was writing barely changed after they went one nil up because they were they were dreadful. The midfield balance was completely wrong. He didn't pick a defensive midfielder for one, which is a problem in itself. I seem to recall, I mean, Wolves Man United games at Molyneux just seemed to you know, you amalgamate them all together. But I think it was the league defeat where he moved to a back three and Fred was the sole holding midfielder. And he got caught out for, was it Diogo Jota who equalised? I think it might have been Jota. But it, it led to the, the equalising goal because McTominay had given United the lead. And I just thought, well, that that's a bit peculiar because Fred is going to have to be the deepest midfielder there and within the first 10 minutes he was culpable for turning attack into defense and Wolves almost scoring on two occasions but he was bailed out by first De Gea and then then Juan Bissaka so I'd, I'd have started Matic I think he was in my my panel team but I suppose Matic isn't the most mobile and, and Wolves for a team that don't score many goals at all they, they can be actually very exciting to watch um live because they do go for it and they should be scoring more goals if Traore could finish he he would he would be a world beater he wouldn't be playing for Wolves there's there's a reason why he's he's still there despite the, the pace and the running and the wing play and it, it was just a very fortuitous win the, the foul the non-foul in that challenge between Pogba and Ruben Neves I mean I suppose that was the irony that Ruben Neves who seems to be uh, you know a lot of United fans seem to be obsessing over uh, particularly since the George Mendes represented Cristiano Ronaldo signed for them they now think that they should be signing another Mendes client he was the one who lost possession and United went on and scored it was it was, it was a dreadful goalkeeping mistake uh, I think that that was a convenient the goalkeeper must be pretty happy that, that there was that contentious point as to whether Pogba had fouled Neves it, a little bit like that Fernandez won at Southampton it wasn't really clear cut at the time but I think sometimes when Man United benefit from a refereeing decision, it does get replayed more often than if another team had benefited from a referee's decision. And I couldn't really keep up with Mike Dean yesterday. I mean, he was in typically dreadful form, grandstanding, playing to the crowd. Who uh, can ever keep up with Mike Dean? Really? I know. He, he hurts both sets of supporters. That's. <laughs> I suppose normally if a referee does that, they're, they're doing their job correctly. But in Mike Dean's case, he never is. He, he, he will just not be missed when, he's, when he retires. And I say again, it's a shame that there used to be that age cap on referees in the Premier League when you got to a certain age, you, you couldn't referee anymore. But then they scrapped that, which I suppose it's, it's a little bit ageist to be saying it in a way. But I, I'm just objectively looking at Mike Dean, the, the referee, and just how how I can't stand him. And I don't know why anyone would, would, would be able to stand him. So th- th- they won yesterday United because of De Gea's brilliance. The second save from Saiz was, was world-class. Saiz shouldn't have given him a prayer, but De Gea pulled off one of those saves that... I don't think any other goalkeeper in the world could pull off. And that's despite a couple of years where he's he has struggled and he has, up until the start of this season, when he has had a very good start, it has felt as though he's been in decline. And of course, Greenwood's endeavour, he he gets the ball, very good direct pass from Varane. He has a go and the keeper makes the mistake and, and United United win it. So a very, fortu- very fortunate win and it... it, it it can't mask the the problems in the team. Um, right back is another one. Wambasaka was was magnificent with the goal save block, but 
still doesn't offer enough in the other um, in the other half of the pitch. And of course, that that midfield at the moment that there is a void there, even though they've they've got an awful lot of midfielders to choose from. We'll come on to Fred, I think, uh, Rich, because I think that's the focus of a lot of fans at the moment. And I have been a champion of Fred. Not, I'm not saying he played well yesterday because he didn't. Uh, I'm not going to defend that performance, but I have been a champion of him in a way because I think he, he is functional in a sense and he does he does a limited job. Uh, there are obviously massive calls for United to sign some glamour £100 million defensive midfielder before the deadline, but we know that isn't going to happen. So, what is the what is the solution in in defensive midfield if it, if it's not a signing, which it probably won't be? Yeah, like you said, there, Dom. I think it's important that the narrative on Fred is that you know he has got a use in that axis with McTominay, where they're like a safe but restricted option, and they're a pair. And I think you know if you, if you pay if you play Fred as the sole defensive midfielder, he's going to get exploited. And I don't think that's necessarily just a failing of Fred as a player, but as much as how Solskjaer used him, you know, there was no way it was ever going to work. And as soon as the team news dropped, everyone knew that was going to be an area of concern. And surprise, surprise, it's a, it was an area of concern. So I want to give Fred a little bit of credit in the fact that he wasn't done any favors by the manager, but he did play badly. And I think that's the, the mitigation there. And the, the issue is, like we said, it's Fred and McTominay, you know exactly what you're going to get from them, but you know exactly what you're not going to get from them. And United still just don't have that specialist defensive midfielder. I still think that maybe McTominay is better suited to it than Fred, but then Solskjaer, is, he loves playing McTominay further forward. It's the fact he scored seven goals last season. He came for the academy as a striker. So, And then for international level, Scott McTominay is playing centre-back quite a lot. So there just needs to be that that stern conversation where it's you're either this type of midfielder or that type of midfielder because he's got a bit of an identity crisis at the moment I mean like we said like you said there Dom the the solution what fans want is United to go out and buy another exciting player who's got a cool name who has loads of good stats who can you know hold in front of that that, that centre-back partnership but that's not going to happen in an ideal world you'll try to manage Matic well and pick his games he might have to be a bit of a Cavani where he can start one game a week but even that could be a bit of an ask for Matic but I still think that he is the best you know centre defensive midfielder as such so I'd try and use him as much as possible but then like we said there's got to be some sort of maybe tactical switch from Solskjaer that he realises he can't go that gung-ho in every single match I do think the addition of Iran should ease the responsibility on the defensive midfielder a little bit and you know those errors will maybe not be as costly and that'll be able to, to compensate for them a little bit more but I think it's going to have to just be a bit of a tactical tweak really for United and just manage those games well maybe start off with two deep midfielders and then bring a sub on or maybe tweak it depending on how the game's going because United have the firepower up front that, you know, they will take those chances now. They will turn those draws into wins with Ronaldo up front. So I don't think you need to necessarily have that explosive midfield too because you've got a world-class striker now who will score those half chances and get your wins out of nowhere i think if united are gonna have a you know a successful title bid they've just got to try and shore things up at the back so maybe it will have to reluctantly be you know return to what we saw last season and like we said maybe that will involve burton pogba or van der Beek or someone in one of those more dynamic box-to-box roles but uh, like we said the signing's not going to come in so i think for the meantime united might just have to tweak it tactically and like i said i think the underlying issue is the fact that Fred and McTominay, both useful, but they are not specialists in any role at the moment. And Solskjaer really needs to hammer home what they are good at. Yeah, uh, you touched on it there, Rich, as well. And Samuel, it's been written about a fair amount as well. Donny van der Beek, again, have not used <laughs> the the elephant in the room, the whatever you want to call him, the ghost at the feast, maybe. Um, what happens with, with Donny van der Beek? Uh, has he got a role? Is there is there any chance that he... He can nail down a role. There seems to be one 
there in the, in central midfield. I wouldn't class him as a defensive midfielder at all, but there seems to be a role there for the taking for somebody. And a lot of fans are asking, well, why isn't it why isn't it Van der Beek? You can imagine some of the players when Solskjaer's holding his Zoom call, just listening outside the door, and whenever they hear their name mentioned and he's praising them to high heaven, they must think, "Oh bloody hell, he's he's going to he's he's not playing me this weekend." Because that's what he does. He talks these players up to high heaven the day before a game or two days before a game, and then when the team drops, they're on the bench or they're not even in the squad. And I don't think anybody was expecting Van der Beek to start at Wolves anyway. And I chatted with Rich during the second half saying there's, there's no way he's coming on here. And there, there was not at any point where that statement looked to be in danger of being uh, incorrect. He was he was warming up, but it just seems like a, seemed like a cursory gesture really by Solskjaer. It, it is getting to the point where you might as well put Anthony Langer on the bench or, or put Rashford on with his arm in a sling because they'll they'll have more chance of coming on than van der beek it just boils down to the fact that he was not a first choice target that was jack grealish last year i'm not even sure he was a second choice target i I suspect that might have been madison but leicester outpriced united for a move there uh ben chilwell was their their major sale last year and madison then signed a new contract and it was just that that opportunity where Real Madrid seemed certain to sign Van der Beek, they decided they weren't signing any players last year. Ajax got in touch, said you can have this guy for up to forty million pounds. He's 20, 22, 23 year old Netherlands international, Ajax schooled, Champions League pedigree. He was on United shortlist as well uh, in the January, as uh, I should add, and it, it made sense. And it made sense as long as the manager played him. And pretty much from the very start. Solskjaer has been reluctant to do that. When when Van der Beek was actually uh, coming on for those cameos at the start of last season, he was doing very well. He scored against Palace. He had a key role in the winner against Brighton. He got to that ball that was overhit, won the corner. United won the penalty from the corner. And you just thought, well, it's got to be a matter of time until he comes into the team, particularly since their, their third game in the league was the 6-1 thrashing by Tottenham. You thought this is the opportune moment to bring him into the side. And he still didn't bring him into the side. And I think he did pretty well at that game against Newcastle where he came on and he had a role in the winning goal uh, in, in that breakaway, breakaway that was finished by Fernandez. So he was doing well, in fairness, in his first couple of months when he was getting opportunities. I think the tide really turned when he started at West Ham in December last year, having started at Southampton the previous week. I think West Ham was only his second league start and he was absolutely hopeless. But United were hopeless for an hour and Van der Beek came off at half time. And just from then on, he has not got a look in. He was pretty dreadful against West Ham in the cup game, I think. I mean, that that is not a memorable game, but he was memorably bad, unfortunately. And although August is a period where a lot of players, it's, it's important that they sit tight because they will get opportunities and managers will bang on about Carabao Cup starting next month, the Champions League group station starting next month and opportunities will come there. And I suppose there is scope for United to rotate a little bit in the Champions League because their group is is winnable. It's not like they've been drawn against AC Milan, Bayern Munich, and and another big hitter at all. Uh, they've they've got quite a kind group, if, even though there are some testing ties in there. So I wouldn't be surprised between now and Christmas if you're looking at Van der Beek and he's he's well into single digits for starts. I, I'd be surprised if he's broken double figures. And of course, the problem he's got now is that Louis van Gaal is the Dutch coach again. And we all know how blunt van Gaal can be. And it wasn't a surprise whatsoever that he 
cut Van der Beek from from the squad on on Friday because he's just not playing. Why why would you pick him? And when the, the Netherlands, although they're not the Netherlands of yesteryear, I suppose, but they have got some decent options in midfield, and those options have been playing football this month. Yeah, it just it seems like a quandary that's never going to come to an end, to be honest. And I, I apologise for bringing up every time I'm on this podcast. So we'll move swiftly on and we'll go to we'll go to deadline day. Um, by the time you listen to this, listener, deadline day may well be done, but we are at one thirty on the 30th. So roughly about 36 hours to go until the transfer deadline. Um, we've talk, talked a little bit about a potential midfield signing or potential non-midfield signing, Rich. Um it really does seem like exits are going to be the the headline for United uh, from now until 11pm tomorrow. You obviously wrote the story about Alanga potentially leaving on loan. The Daniel James story is gathering pace as he nears the exit. Uh, and then Jesse Lingard as well. Do you see anything else apart from apart from those? Yeah, like you said there, Dom, I mean, even before Ronaldo signed the the you know the stance for United was that we need to sell before we can buy. Obviously, when Ronaldo becomes available, you can make an exception for that. But yeah, United need to really push on with that because even before the summer window, there were players at the club who didn't really have a role. They were on the periphery and they're still at the club now, like Samuel said, Jesse Lingard. It was just going into the summer, he was at the one certain sale that we all everyone agreed on, and he's still here. We know like as we approach deadline day, so he has to go. I think particularly the fact he's out of contract at the end of the year you know if United were to give him a new deal just to protect his value that would just stink of everything that was wrong with the club in the first place really and everything they've said that, they, that they've moved on with Daniel James you know he was he was on the the fringes anyway now the fact that United have got Sancho and Ronaldo he just doesn't have a, a, a role to play at the moment I think Solskjaer might be a little bit embarrassed though the fact that you know James is the player he stuck his neck out on the line for and his first signing at the club the one that he wanted to to sort of turn into a Premier League talent and it's not quite worked out after that explosive start. Obviously, he offers something a bit different because of his pace and you know he has got that work rate that Solskjaer really does admire and that's why he, he still starts games like we saw at Wolves because Solskjaer does trust him in a weird way in, in the fact that he knows exactly what he's going to get. He's going to get that hard work and commitment but maybe not the the final product which hasn't been polished yet. In terms of other departures, I mean, you would have to say if a bid or an approach, a loan approach whatever, came in for Donny van der Beek, then United would, from my point of view personally, just sanction it because Solskjaer was so cautious, wasn't he, back in, in January with Brandon Williams, who could have gone out on loan, but Solskjaer kept him just as a backup option. And, you know, at the end, it stagnated his career for six months. He didn't do anything. And now he's gone out to Norwich. And I feel like Van der Beek's going to be the same. Like Samuel said, he will have single-digit appearances probably by Christmas and they will won't have been meaningful minutes anyway, you know, in, in the most likely situation. And in January, he'll be on the on the discussions again. Ahmad was supposed to go out to Feyenoord, but his injury will keep him up for you know like a month and a half now. So he'll be another one who is going to have to be put on hold really until until January. And yeah, in terms of other loan exits, there might be one or two and approaches for some of the fringe players at youth level as well. But yeah, alanga has got interest from the Championship. The noise is that over nearly half the teams in the Championship have inquired about Alanga at some stage this summer. So he's definitely a hot talent but United are so stocked in the attacking roles now and the, the issue for United at, at youth level really is their most exciting players Shoratire, Hannibal and Alanga are all playing in you know the area where United have just strengthened the most in the summer so I think United need to really take a step back and think what's best for these players rather than for them as a, as a club at the moment because they're so overstocked aren't they and something has to give really and then again maybe if you look at centre-back as well 
Solskjaer keeps on saying that you know Jones will have a, a role to play when he gets back, he gets his confidence back, whatever. But then you've still got Lindelof and Bailly there. You've got Mengi, he's not gone out on loan because that didn't work out with Derby. So United need to make another decision there, really, another ruthless one. And you're just wasting wages there on players who are never going to play. Yeah, well, we'll have to see what happens on, on deadline day. Obviously, you can follow it all the Manchester Evening News. Samuel, I'm going to, to finish with you. Uh, any hope of any more incomings before the deadline? That's what fans keep asking. That's what that's what they want. I know it's often not realistic, but is there any lingering hope of, of another one through the door or is, is that done and dusted in terms of the uh, the incomings? I think it's just always important to stress that United did not expect any more incomings and then they signed one of the Ronaldo. greatest players <laughs> there's ever been. So, so Solskjaer likes using the reference himself from Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey saying, so you're telling me there's a chance. So it, I always come back to that because Solskjaer, you know, Solskjaer is the one who uses it himself. I, I wouldn't, at this juncture, I wouldn't expect a midfielder to come in. Uh, a couple of contacts have said that it's not looking like a midfielder will be coming in. I was, I was slightly taken aback by the Ruben Neves questions. I, I thought that maybe someone had reported something, but then it, it wasn't the case at all. It was just the case of Ronaldo's represented by George Mendes, Ruben Neves is represented by George Mendes. Look how quickly they got the Ronaldo deal done and United... A section of the United fan base has seems seems to have an obsession with Ruben Neves that dates back nearly three years. I think. Uh, I mean, op- opposite the the press lounge at Molyneux is is the Gestifu hospitality box, and the light was on outside, but I didn't see anybody entering the room, and there was certainly no sign of Mendes. Unfortunately, otherwise, I think a few a few of us might have been knocking on his door, and I suspect some United fans would have been hoping that John Murtagh or Darren Fletcher or F- Fergie even would have been knocking on his door, given how well he got on with with Mendes as well. So uh, I, I think it. it it really does need to be a day of outgoings, as, as we've we've already touched upon. You, you two have written lines this morning as well on, on Daniel James and Anthony Langer. Some, I've lost count of the amount of times on deadline day where there's been a move that's transpired, not necessarily United-related, that has just happened completely out of the blue, where a player you didn't expect to be leaving a club just, just goes like that. Um, I mean, the Daniel James thing is, is strange in that he has started twice this season. He, he starts at Wolves on Sunday, and then it's looking like he will go out on on loan or permanently. It'd be a surprise if a permanent deal is is clinched, given that he's got up to four years left in his contract. And having started two out of three games this month, his, his resale value will be quite prohibitive to anybody even broaching that topic. You you would imagine that that is a loan, loan deal that, that Leeds are looking at. I mean, Leeds just cannot quit him from that time where Swansea, Swansea refused to pick up the phone to them or, or, and, and ignored their calls in that January transfer window. It's got to be so, the third series of that Amazon documentary, surely. They want the re- resolution to it. Yeah, the yeah, the, Dan, the, the Daniel James special edition episode. Yeah, yeah, that 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 would be quite an interesting watch, I'm sure. It'd be a good unveiling, wouldn't it? If they, uh, they they could break the internet, I think, if they did that right, you know, sort of where they where they left off a few years ago. But yeah, I'm not sure I mean, it'd compete yeah. with Ronaldo, but you know, no, I, I think Leeds, I think Leeds would like that as well, given what they can be like on on social media. They they can be. Um, they, they they mirror their fans quite quite accurately sometimes over you know past instance whether it's goading Nal Horan or you know inflicting awful abuse on on Karen Carney so I wouldn't put it past them lapping up a, a transfer from from Man United given the amount of players who've transferred from from Leeds to Man United 
but yeah, I, I mean, I, I was kind of hoping that today might be a bit quiet, but it, it has been anything but. So tomorrow is is going to be manic, and that that threat of this window just petering out, it's um, it's not the case whatsoever. But hopefully there'll be a Ronaldo announcement. Maybe if not today, then you would you would imagine tomorrow. And I think as I tweeted at the weekend, the megastore uh, have, have said they'll start printing Ronaldo on on shirts on Tuesday. So maybe maybe the squad number will be known by this time tomorrow. Yeah, be very interesting. I'm sure the fans are queuing up outside the mega store as we speak, ready to get those uh, shirts printed. As for deadline day, you can obviously, as I said, follow all that happens on the Manchester Evening News. Outgoings mostly, maybe an incoming, we'll see. Probably not, but there's always that hope. Thank you very much, Samuel. Thank you very much, Rich, for your contributions to the podcast today. Thank you very very much. much. Thank you for listening too, and we'll be back with another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast very soon. Cheers.